Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. When you lead from a base of expertise, your confidence and credibility are derived from your knowledge. People follow you as a result. However, when you take a stretch assignment and span outside of your comfort zone, leading requires a different approach, one of influence, inspiration, compromise, and courage. We are here to talk about how to take that next step and keep going. Now, here is your host, Wanda Wallace. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. I'm going to ask you, how many times have you gone for that all-important interview for a new opportunity, whether it's inside or even outside your company, and failed to land the job, even though you feel like you had all the right qualifications? Or have you ever failed to get your message across in, say, a year-end performance review, or an introduction to a key stakeholder, or even in an elevator pitch? Well, we believe the solution for all of these communication challenges lies in both what you prepare and how you prepare. And I know you've heard that message, but today we're going to give you the solution for how to prepare and what to prepare. And I think you're going to find that it has enormous benefits if you take the time to do it. So my guest today is Jana Sanchez. Jana specializes in helping companies and executives develop their story and tell it in a persuasive way. She's worked in public relations for decades, having co-founded a financial and corporate PR agency with offices in London, Amsterdam, and New York, and most lately as an independent publicist consultant for authors, candidates, nonprofits, and companies. And before that, she spent a decade as a journalist, including a stint as a foreign correspondent at Reuters in Amsterdam, and she's now serving on the Dean's Advisory Board for the School of Social Sciences at Rice and on the Board of Progress Texas, which works to communicate progressive issues in the media and for causes across Texas. And I should say, Jana now lives in Texas, having worked around the world. So Jana, (laughs) welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really pleased to be here. I'm excited to do this because I can't tell you how many people I encounter on a daily basis, either in a class or in my coaching engagements, who struggle with getting their message straight. So before we jump into that one, Why do you care about this? Why does this matter to you? It matters because people struggle to communicate clearly about themselves. We find it very difficult and there are ways to make it easier. And so it's important to me to help people who want to communicate clearly about themselves. Okay. All right. So let's talk about your experiences, helping executives and companies tell their story. And, you know, early in your career, at least this was focused on the media So what's really the secret, if I'm talking, for example, to the press, to being able to be really good in the media and presenting myself or my company? So the secret is to know and to be able to speak very succinctly and clearly about your value, what you bring to your audiences. The second thing is to prepare to say that very clearly when you get the opportunity. And the third is and this is a hard part, to learn not just to answer questions, um, but to communicate those messages. And that is indeed the hardest part. Okay. All right. Well, I know we're going to talk about how to do that one, but can you give me an example of what, you know, of what someone would say or how they would say it? Um, I'm not going to ask about the process yet. I just want an example of how somebody communicates their value. So, Usually when people are asked to communicate their value, they say something like, um, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. Um, And instead, what they need to say is, I'm an expert in this field. 
Um, and I have 20 years experience bringing value to this sector, for instance. So they don't put enough detail um, and they can. I mean, they know enough to do that if they think through it in advance. Yeah. I see that when I ask people, let's say we're starting a class and I ask them to introduce themselves to each other. And the purpose is to build the camaraderie in the group, Mm -hmm. not for me to know anything about them. It's like your networking opportunity. Here you go. And I ask people to say, tell me what you do and tell it so everybody in this room knows it, not so I understand it. And what do they say? And even if I are introducing themselves to senior stakeholders, they'll say, Hi, my name is Wanda, mm-hmm. and I work in the communications department, which is tells me you have a job, but it tells me nothing about, about the value. You, yeah, and they might say, I work for this person. Okay, that's great. You're, you're their satellite. Like, I don't, I mean, why would I call you? And I'm amazed at how hard it is for people to articulate what value they are bringing to a business and organization. Well, I think there are a lot of reasons for that, but most importantly, it has to do with how we were raised. <laughs> we were raised to not say good things about ourselves um, because we sound, we might think that we sound arrogant. Um, we also are raised not to bore people with details that they might not want, or so we think. Um, and and of course, the main thing is we're we're told to answer a question precisely because we're asked that question. So a lot of this goes back, you know, decades and decades, depending on our age. And it's it's a hard habit to break. Yeah, I think some of it too is people haven't stopped to think. They just oh, show absolutely. up. They respond to whatever said. I don't care how specific my question is. I still can't get a good answer out of it. And I can even prep them for it. And I still can't get a good answer. Okay. So let's take this principle. So you said I have to be clear and concise about what my value is. And it's not the obvious headline. It's really thinking about what is the value. And I'd be afraid to say that straight out and then not answer a question directly. So let's translate that inside. Um where are you seeing that people you need help in getting their messages more persuasive apart from in the media, so internal to the company? So I actually believe that in every aspect of our lives, we need to be more clear, more concise, and more persuasive in the way that we talk about ourselves um, and the value that we bring. And that means everything from a job application to our daily work, uh, communicating our value. Um, It also can be in just communicating with friends and family and your your network, what you do, because sometimes people are really shocked to find out the value that you have to offer. Offer, um, and you miss out on opportunities and you miss out on the chance of helping other people because others don't understand what you do. So it's it's a habit to get into, but first you have to define it before you can communicate it. Okay. So I define what I'm going to say, and then I go about communicating it. Mm-hmm. You've used the word persuasive a couple of times. So yes. in your view, what makes communication persuasive? So when you communicate, you're trying to, or you should want to make people think, feel, or do something. So if you are able to make them think, feel, or do what you want them to do, then you are being persuasive. It might be hiring you for a job. It might be giving you a promotion. It might be simply trusting you to help them. Um, But unless you communicate your value in a way that makes them trust you and 
want to do what you ask them. <laughs> You're not being persuasive. So it's just that simple. How do you affect people when you speak? Well, that's an interesting one. So I want people to think, feel, or do something. Think I'm an expert, feel that I've listened to them, for example, or take an action. Yes. And that means I have to communicate my value in a way that people will trust. Yes. All right. I buy that. That sounds pretty good. I'll take that one. <laughs> All right. So how? Let's talk about the process. What's the process for getting my message to the state where I can actually be persuasive? So most people probably don't understand their value. So it takes some thinking. You have to sit and think very clearly through what do you bring to the people around you? What do you bring to your field? What do you bring to your clients? Um, You know, what do you bring to the world, right? And then you've got to be very specific about that, Um, you know, and what is different about what you bring than what other people bring, because we all have our unique talents and our unique skills. It's parsing that out. And putting it into language that everyone understands. Um, and that's that's probably the cha- most challenging part for most people, because we think something we do is so basic or so, um, so normal that we don't understand our uniqueness. I personally think it's impossible to do this without somebody to coach you and help you through this, unless you are particularly a language person, a great communicator by nature, because I think it's hard to be introspective, you know, introspective enough to figure this out on your own. I think that's true. And I think this is what a lot of people are missing because when you say your long stream of what your value is or what your idea is, even for that matter, and you say that as somebody who's listening carefully, they often can play back what you said in better language or different language, or even a metaphor that helps you see the impact of what you just said. I I mean, I think I'm pretty good at this. And I just had somebody do that for me in ways that were shocking. I mean, you've done that for me historically, Jana, but it's somebody else recently. It's like, oh yeah, that is kind of core to what I'm saying. So it's pretty powerful. Um, One of the other things I find is people speaking too generic when they're talking about their value. Like my favorite one is I'm a team player that gets results. (laughs) And I want to say, if you're not, you should get fired, (laughs) but (laughs) that doesn't help uniqueness. So how do you get to the unique part? I think it's, it's asking, so what, so what, so what you just keep asking that question. And what does this mean? And how does it, and how is this different from other people? And then I think you get to that point. But again, I think it's easier if somebody else is asking you that question. Yeah. And reflecting it back to you. I think there's yes. enormous power in someone helping helping you think about the language and reflecting it back. Yes. All right. So I'm working, let's say I've worked with you, I've worked with somebody else. Um, I've gotten some clues about what kind of values that I want to communicate. Do I need a list of 10? Do I need two? Do I, what do I need? Okay. So I believe that the most important thing is to have at least three key messages, I'm going to call them. These are big ideas, um, big overarching um, um, qualities and values that you bring to everything. If you have four or five, that's okay too. But you're usually going to only communicate three at one time. So if you have three, that's great. Um, but three is the right number. If you have a few more, that's okay too, but definitely not 10 
Because if you have 10 and you try to get 10 things through to someone, they're going to edit it down to three. The human brain can basically accept three things. So three is always a great number to have. Great. I was going to ask you why three, because it seems that everything we do is three. Three seems to be the number. Three oh, this paragraphs, is... three, th- three ideas, three examples, three everything. Absolutely. And there is a reason for that. And if you want to think about it in a visual way, if, you, if you're standing in front of a table with me and I put three balls on the table, you know without counting that there are three there. But the second I put down six balls or five balls or four balls, you actually, your brain has to stop and count those. Um, And then of course, so many of the things that we know very intrinsically are in threes, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, um, you know, father, son, Holy spirit. These are three. This is how we learn. This is what we know. So three is all we can really accept without memorizing. It goes back even further. If you go back to the classic old stories or the even the modern stories, there's always a cycle of three events. You know, like there's three things that go wrong. There are three characters that you encounter. There are three episodes to the journey. There's I don't know what it is, but three somehow seems to be magic in communication and in yes. telling, talking. Yes. All right. So I have my three messages. Can you give me an example of what would be a good message when I'm trying to sell myself, for example? Okay. So I actually um, have one that I used um, with a friend this week. I'm an expert on polymers and their application in the healthcare product sector. Um, And while that doesn't sound very specific, it actually is because he's really an expert on polymers (laughs) and he's working in healthcare. Um, And he didn't have that in his, in his um, description before. Um, And I was struggling to understand uh, what his expertise was. He's an expert in polymers and that's a big deal. So, right. Especially in the current environment where we're looking at all sorts of science and polymers in order to know how (laughs) to combat what we're facing at the moment. Okay. Fair. Right. All right. Now, but your messages would not always be my expertise. Sometimes you would want to communicate a message about style or values. Can you give me an example of one of those? Yes, of course. Um, You you know, you could say I'm a very collaborative leader um, who likes to listen to others before making a decision. Um, So for instance, that is more of value about how you work versus your expertise. Yeah. Now, I'm going to pick on that one because I'm going to say everybody and his brother is throwing around the word collaborative at the Mm -hmm. moment. So Mm -hmm. I don't think that's distinctive enough. But if you said, let me think if I can make an example of this one. If you said my style of collaboration is to bring lots of different perspectives to the room and then to make a decision. Yes. That starts to get a little more distinctive. Yes. And also your evidence is very important here. Okay. So the evidence that you develop um, to support what you're saying, because unless you have a great story about how you brought everybody into a room and you listened to them and you ultimately made an important and difficult decision, then that that message will not sound authentic unless you've got great evidence. All right. So you jumped ahead of me. So we're talking about the messages. We're talking about the kinds of key messages, both your expertise, the value that you bring, as well as the values by which you work or the style with which you work. Any and all of those are appropriate to say about me and what I bring. Now, once I have my message and you can tell already, you might take the concept, but it takes a lot of crafting to get that into a powerful statement. Mm 
Yes. Now I need to go to this thing you called evidence. Why, what is it, and how do I use it? So evidence can be, usually they're also a sentence, a short phrase. Um, They can either be facts, data that support what I'm saying, Um, you know, evidence that I actually have, for instance, a PhD in polymers from Case Western Reserve University, which is the best polymers uh, program in the country. Um, It may be that I spent 10 years um, working in the healthcare sector um, in progressively more responsible positions, um, all involving polymers, for instance. Um, Then you, um, then those back up what I'm saying. They prove that I am indeed capable of doing what I say I can do. Okay. So it's evidence to prove the statement that I have yes. made of the basic, the core message, the key message. Can also be, so that's a fact, but there are other kinds of evidence. You can okay. have anecdotes. Um, you know, when I was in charge of a team developing a new a new use for polymers, um, you know, what we found was blah, 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 blah. This is above my my pay grade here. So I'll, I'll just have to say blah, 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 blah. But um, but uh, but I have to be able to prove that. Right. So it could be an anecdote, it could be an observation. In my experience of 20 years in the polymers industry, what I have seen is blah, blah, blah. So in other words, these are all things that make the listener believe that you are indeed an expert on polymers. So that's where the trust comes in. Yes. There's two components of that. One, it's an interesting story. It's genuine to me. It's the truth about me. So there's a feeling of authenticity attached to it. And the evidence makes you more believable, more credible, more trusted. To get yes. that right? Yes. Okay. And and also things that other people have have bestowed upon you, such as a PhD or a book that's published or um, articles that you've written, give a lot of credibility um, where somebody else might not have that credibility. Okay. All right. And that's easy to do when we're talking about um, my expertise. It's harder to do when we're talking about my values or my style. But still there, you can give examples of where you've done something like this or where you encountered a problem and how you led a team through that solution is a way of demonstrating the value that you are espousing. Yes, I would say the softer the claim that you're making or the more human you know, human softness um, of the of the statement that you're making about yourself, the less factual the proof point can be or this or the evidence can be. So you should be able to connect with your audience through the human emotion. Um, you know, when I did this, this is what I discovered, you know, this is what I learned. Um, you know, if it's a softer skill that you're trying to demonstrate, then then a more anecdotal or observational proof point or or evidence would be more effective. All right. Now, already my brain is seeing how you could use this because one of our favorite tactics for interview, in fact, best in class interviewing is to do what we call behavioral interviews. So as the interviewer, I would say, Jana, tell me about a time where you resolved a conflict between two team members. And that 
I'm asking for an example, but what you're doing is already preparing some examples that you might use. And then that makes a ton of sense that it's going to be a nice joined up opportunity to give me anecdotes. And I'm going to be looking for actions that support the behaviors I'm looking for. Yes. And let me add to that, that the first thing you should tell them is repeat your key message. As, as, I, as I mentioned, I love resolving conflict. I think I'm particularly skilled at it. Um, let me give you an example. So you're going to repeat, first of all, the key message, and then you're going to give the anecdote. Okay. All right. So we're moving from, so let's, let me back up, make sure everybody's <laughs> following us. We have to have worked through what our key messages are. That means to get better language than we probably just naturally write down. That mm-hmm. means a sounding board probably with more than one person, multiple people. To, so you refine it. You get it to feel like you, to feel genuine, yes. something you really believe, really own. It speaks to who you fundamentally are, both expertise-wise as well as values and characteristics-wise. Yes. Then for each of those key messages, and I want at least three and no more than five, I want evidence. So facts and uh, facts and data, if it's um, on expertise Mm -hmm. and anecdotes, stories, examples, if it's on the uh, more human side, values and style characteristics. And I've prepared this and I've thought through it and I've got all of these at hand. So that's 15. I mean, how many um, evidence points do I need, by the way? So it can vary. I've had very accomplished people who might have six or seven proof points for one message. And that's good because if you're asked, we'll get more into detail about this in the future, but when you're asked to give a message, you may not want to always give the same proof points, but you do want to keep repeating the same messages. So if you can prepare a lot of proof points, that's great, but you should have three, okay, at least three. When you say proof points, you mean pieces of evidence. Evidence, so it's like yes. evidence. My pieces yes. of evidence. Pieces of here. evidence. Okay, okay yes. fine. That's great. Sorry. Just make sure we're not confusing anybody <laughs> here along the way. All right. So let's say I have five and I have three key messages. That's 15 pieces of information I have all together to support three core messages. Okay. That's a lot. That's a lot to pull together. I'm, you know, if it's true about me, I should have lots of evidence of it. So it shouldn't be hard to do it. And if it's core to me, it shouldn't be very hard to do it. Okay. So now let's come to the magic, the secret (laughs) sauce here, Um, a technique you call bridging. So someone asks a question, whether it's in an interview or whatever circumstance, somebody asks a question and you say our tendency is just to answer that question. What are we supposed to do? An interviewer says, well, tell me about the biggest mistake you've ever made in your career. What do I do with that one? So the most important thing is that you must go into any communications opportunity, not viewing it as a question and answer session. I'm not saying that you don't answer questions. I'm saying that every single opportunity in that conversation is for you to get your key message across. So if a question is a question that you want to answer because your your key message answers it precisely, then you can simply answer it. That's great. You just answer it. Um, most questions are not. Most questions are not designed for you to put your best foot forward. They are designed to get information. So what you're going to always do 
is learn how to make sure that no matter what the question is, that you are communicating at least one of your key messages or one of your key messages, I should say, and at least one of your pieces of evidence. So it's it's simply a learned process of learning that you are there not to answer questions, but to communicate. And it is hard. It's not as easy as it sounds. Um, It's called ABC, and that makes it sound easy, but it's actually very difficult for most people. Okay. So how do I do it? So I'm not supposed to answer the question I heard you say, which I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm interviewing. If I don't answer the question, this is going to be a disaster. And I just ask you, Jana, for example, if we were doing a role play here, tell me about the biggest mistake you've ever made in your career. Uh... Okay. So I didn't say you couldn't answer the question. I said, you absolutely can answer the question, but but don't leave it there. Okay. Okay. So whatever, however you respond to that question, you could acknowledge the question or you could answer the question, but then the next thing you must do is bridge and give me a key message. So let's say um, I'm just making this up, but your key message is about um, your expertise in some area. So the biggest mistake you made, you want to get from the biggest mistake you made to your expertise. So you're going to say something like, you know, I feel like most people, I certainly have made mistakes and I, and fortunately for me, that's your bridge. I have discovered in my career that my expertise has helped me get out of some of these some of these experiences. Let me tell you the biggest mistake. And you know, it's it's it doesn't matter what you say as long as you say your message, the person feels heard and you give them some evidence. And if it's a good conversation that you're in control of, the answer will be good. I can see that. I can see, I'm going to go back to our collaborating example, you know, where we have decided that we want to give the message that my style of collaborating is bringing a lot of different voices together, hearing each of those voices, and then being very decisive about what we're going to do next. So it doesn't languish. Let's say that's my style of what I want to communicate. And I have some examples. And the question comes of, geez, wonder was the biggest mistake you make? And I I can see, you know, yeah, most people, when I ask that question, will say, oh, yeah, there have been a lot. You're right. There are a lot of mistakes. I think, you know, I've certainly made That's some a negative ones. acknowledgement. <laughs> yeah, but I'm at least acknowledging, okay, great. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, you know, um, every, my, my key style is to bring a lot of voices together. And when I haven't done that, I've made mistakes. And yes. I could give an anecdote about that, or I can give yes. an anecdote about a time where I started not bringing the voices in the room and I realized I was making a mistake and brought the voices in the room and it all turned out okay. Exactly. Okay. And I've answered the question, but I've also more importantly stayed in control of the interview process. So my yes. message is now coming across. But Janet, doesn't this feel like you're repeating yourself all the time? If you're doing a good job, you, you are repeating yourself all the time. Um, but if you have enough well thought out proof points, it won't feel to the person that you're saying the same thing again and again. It will feel to the person that you really understand your value because I keep hearing it, right? Right. So it is important. People, sometimes it does take people a couple of times to hear something before they really hear it. 
So don't be afraid of repeating yourself. Don't be afraid of saying the same thing again and again, but say it in a more interesting way. Change up the language a little bit each time you say it. Um, By giving a different example, it's just another way of reinforcing the same message. I can see. I'm going to take this. We've been doing this as an interview. I want to take this to a year-end performance review, Mm -hmm. something a lot of people are prepared for at the moment or have just gone through. And Mm -hmm. always at the year in performance, we want to make sure we get the highest rating we can get and hopefully the highest bonus if that's on offer at your company. Those would all be nice outcomes. But most people go into the year in performance with a long laundry list of here's what I've done Mm -hmm. and believe that my accomplishments, my achievements, my check the box doings are putting me in better standing than somebody else's check the box having Mm -hmm. doings. But that doesn't, I mean, what most managers will say is, yeah, you've done a great job of that, but you have no idea how much of a great job five other people on the team have also done because we don't, Mm -hmm. we don't know that. So we have no idea how they're presenting themselves. And that laundry list doesn't actually get at the value. No, and that's why it's really important that those that you can get all of those things in as long as they relate to a specific message, right? So if you know what the three most important things that you've contributed in in the in the broader sense, what are these key overarching values that you brought to the company in the last year and you put them in buckets, then your key messages will need to be written out. You'll need to think through them and think about how each of these examples strengthens one of your key message. So if you start from the evidence that you have, you should be able to organize it into bigger buckets of values. So, you know, instead of just stopping, I mean, if you know you've done 15 great things, then organize that into three categories so that you can really make your argument for yourself and that you can repeat to people what you've done because people aren't sitting around paying attention to what you've contributed over the year. That's right. That's right. And especially if those three key messages, the three core values that I want to attribute are something that I know my manager and the organization is looking for at that moment in time. And I'm not talking about team player. We're expecting everyone to be a team player. Um, I have a statement of if it's one of your main company values or it's one of your core leadership attributes, then it's not distinctive because everybody's doing it. So, you know, get out of that and find another way to say it. But let's say growth has been a big theme, then you want your accomplishments organized around how you've helped grow the business. Or if it's strategic thinking or anticipating changes in the marketplace, then you want your activities organized around how you think in that way. Um, Yes. And then, of course, the overarching statement is, I'm doing everything I can do to help the company, right? Because if you're doing all of those things that the company has prioritized, then your overarching message is, I'm great, <laughs> without having to say it. Yeah. Without having to say it, right. Yeah. And I think it makes more people more comfortable because they're staying a bit more with the facts. You know, the, the I did this, I accomplished this, I was part of this team, I contributed this to that team. That evidence base is feels real because I can take pride in what we did. So it doesn't feel like I'm going in to fake it. No, if this feels fake, then you haven't done enough hard work of thinking through, or you haven't had somebody to give you good feedback. 
Um, you know, in my experience, our friends and our colleagues and our supervisors and our reports have a sometimes a better understanding of our value than we do. And it's good to have somebody to bounce this off of. So put in the work of thinking through it. But if it doesn't feel right, it's not right. If it doesn't feel like it really sounds like you, um, then it's not. And if you ask someone for feedback who knows you well, they will probably be able to pinpoint a word here or there or something that is not enough. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not good enough because it doesn't explain well enough how great you are. Um, And, you know, I think that 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 stage is important. Right. All right. So, Jana, assume that I have my, and I'll come to this in a moment, suppose I have my three key messages, at least a first draft, you know, a quick run on it. How long is it going to take me to get that revised in a way that I'm going to be really effective in an interview, in an elevator pitch, or in um, a year-end performance review? I mean, we're talking an hour, we're talking three hours, we're talking, what does it take? I think it's impossible to know what it would take in general, um, because every person is different. But in my experience, you need some time to prepare. So you would want to um, put, put them down on paper go away from it, get some feedback, come back. Like, you know, I have, I have clients who are preparing for interviews um, or year in reviews who are weeks away from that. So they've thought about it far in advance um, and they've worked through, and that gives them the time to come up with anecdotes and examples because our brain doesn't always remember them without thinking through it. Um, And so I would say, you know, don't, don't start this process a day before your year-end review. Start it a few weeks um, or maybe all the time. You know, have, a, have an ongoing message matrix that you're constantly revising um, every few months or every few weeks so that you're keeping track of your values at all time. All right. So how do I take this thing with my key messages and my evidence pieces, I think you call them matrix, and um, turn that into an elevator pitch? Um, so it's very, very straightforward. There's a template. It's basically your elevator pitch is a very quick connection with your audience. You're going to tell them what you're going to tell them. You're going to give them key message one, key message two, key message three. You're going to tell them, remind them what you told them. And then you're going to close thanking them or asking them for something. Um, it's just a very simple format that is actually the same format for any kind of persuasive communication. And it revolves around those key messages. So if I have a lot of time to be persuasive, I'll give multiple pieces of evidence. If I have little time to be persuasive, I give little pieces of evidence or none. But knowing my key messages, it knows what I want to say. And I, I think, you know, like I run into a key stakeholder, let's say, in the days when we were all in the elevators together. Mm-hmm. And I have the elevator ride in effect. And I have a key message I want to get across. That's my moment to say, hey, you know, I'm really proud of, or we've really succeeded at, or whatever. And it's my key message. And then yes. if the person says, geez, I'd like to know more about that, I have my evidence right at hand Yes, to be able to follow up with them either in an email or in a meeting or in a whatever it is. And it was convincing. Correct. And, and it's also important to think about every opportunity in an, in an interview or in an annual review 
your opening is probably always going to be your elevator pitch. You're probably going to tell them right away, all three of your messages right away. Just you need to know them. You need to really believe them and know them and, you know, be prepared to give them. Okay. All right. Now we've talked about this in terms of uh, uh, communicating about yourself, but I'm presuming if we're communicating about a product, it'd be the same thing or selling an idea or, I lifted change. it. I lifted it exactly from that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I did it. I did it back where I came to it from the other point of view. It's very easy to understand that you might need three key messages about a company or a product or a project or something, but we don't think of our own communicating about ourselves in that way, but it's exactly the same exactly process. The same. Exactly the same. Okay, Jana, brilliant. Thank you very much. We're going to take a break at this point. Um, summarize the notion here is I need three key messages, maybe five, but three is a good number for each message. I want three, five, seven pieces of evidence, whether it's a fact or a data point, an anecdote, a story, an example that illustrates that key message that underpins it and in effect proves it. I want that to be revised and revised and revised and revised again until it feels very much like me. It's got the right kind of language. I own it. I'm comfortable with it. And then that becomes my persuasive communication, whether it's an interview, an elevator pitch, a year-end review, an opportunity, an introduction. I'm ready to say what it is about me. And the key message in there too is not just to answer the question, it's straight out answer the question. I might answer the question or acknowledge the question, and then I want to link to my message and tell a piece of a story or something related to that message. Okay. So my guest today, Jana Sanchez, as you can tell, she specializes in helping companies and executives develop their story and tell it in a persuasive way. Um, Jana, if people want to get in touch with you, how could they find you? They can email me at me, as in M-E at janasanchez.com. And that's J-A-N-A-S-A-N-C-H-E-Z.com. Perfect. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, we're going to bring in a third guest who's actually gone through this process with Jana for a job interview. And I want to hear firsthand from her experience of using this matrix. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. We have some amazing guests with some incredibly good ideas about how to take your leadership to the next level. But I find people are looking for more practical ways of implementing those ideas. So we've created an individual subscription service specifically to focus on how to apply. You'll find more about that at www.outofthecomfortzone.com. We have two additional subscription services, one for the social group that want to exchange ideas and perspectives with a group and talk about career advancement. And we have a master's level for people who want to take a deeper dive all on outofthecomfortzone.com. We hope you'll join us. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadership-forum.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, helping organizations get it and keep it. This is Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. Do you find yourself in a role where your team knows more than you know? Are you struggling to see how you now add value? 
For years, I've coached leaders who have moved beyond the comfort zone of their expertise and have developed a methodology to help them make the leap and go on to do more. All of those tips are now packed into my new book, You Can't Know It All. Visit our website at leadership-forum.com or tune in to Out of the Comfort Zone for more insight. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadership-forum.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back to the show. With me today is Jana Sanchez. Jana is uh, specializes in helping companies and executives develop their story and tell it in a persuasive way. We've been talking about the power of having your key message, making sure that you understand what your evidence is to back up that key message, doing the revisions that help you distill that into ways that make that sound unique for you and that you feel truly represent who you are and what you want to say in your message. Now, we we're going to bring in Laura, who's worked with Jana, and she's just done this whole process of creating her key messages and her evidence to go along with it and use that in an interview in a big job opportunity. Um, so, Laura, welcome to the show. Hello, Wanda. Thank you. I'm very pleased to join your show. We're glad to have you here. Um, so, how long did it take you to get this message and the evidence really developed? It took me about 10 to 12 hours, uh, okay. including discussions with my colleagues. Okay. And um, how, do you know how many iterations of this you did? Like, or are we talking three, five, 15? I had six sessions with Jenna. Okay. <laughs> I was very pleased. I was very lucky about this. Uh, <laughs> six sessions with Jenna and then homework in between sessions, okay. then um, discussions with my colleagues and then refinement okay and then a kind of rehearsal with Jenna okay all right so rehearsal is coming to the part about rehearsing how you answer questions I'm going to get to that one in a minute I'm interested in the colleagues part when you talk to peers um, how did you go about doing that like who did you pick what did you ask them for or just tell me a little bit about it I ask uh, three colleagues um, all of them, are team leaders and they work with me or for me in the last uh, at least five years. They know me very, very well. And I ask them to this, to highlight to me what are my core leadership qualities or leadership style that they remember from working with me. Um, and then actually they wanted to listen first to my messages. Then I told, gave them my messages and especially the first two, they say, it's exactly you. It is up to the point. We can confirm it 100%. And then they started to comment on this and giving me examples when and how they observed it and confirmed. And I was very pleased about this. And of course, they gave me a critical feedback on one message that was a little bit too general and a little bit a password uh, leading with purpose. They say, well, it is a little bit buzzword. Everyone is saying this. You make to, uh, you have to make it more tangible. 
Not only I am a leader because I can communicate a purpose and therefore I refine the message. Oh, great. So you have, I lead with purpose. What did you refine it to? <laughs> I encourage people and I, I can align uh, people to work together uh, to achieve a joint vision and opportunity. Okay. That's pretty cool. All right. And I can imagine then backing up with some evidence behind that, some stories about doing that would be pretty powerful. All right. So um, what really helped you get comfortable with this, um, the message and the evidence? It was a long process. And I think it took me three stages or three steps to become comfortable with my message metrics. So in the first stage, um, it was... um, very specific questions by Jenna helped me to select and formulate my messages, which, well dis- which were well describing my personal leadership style and qualities. Jenna asked me questions like, what did you do differently from other leaders so that you were successful? Can you back this quality with three examples? She challenged me all the time, and it was extremely helpful to synthesize my value. And I had a list of 10 to 15 qualities that I'm good in. So, of course, it is a dialogue. It requires a dialogue to filter out what are the top three qualities. So, this was extremely helpful. Second stage was validation by my colleagues, getting their feedback because they validated and confirmed two messages, 100%, and then helped me to refine the third one and gave me some additional insights about my style that I I was not aware of. And the third stage was uh, practicing. It was my first interview with a board member. And after presenting it, my core messages and answering the question, it was absolutely clear to me where I feel comfortable. And this sounds authentic self-confident but not arrogant and it's about me and what needs to be refined all right so you said you rehearsed with Jana. can you describe what kind of rehearsal you did and how that helped you um jenna um explained me the techniques of bridging the questions abc and then um the rehearsal included both natural questions so standard hr questions where i can provide my message as an answer to the question and then jenna asked me challenging question a little bit more hostile or more uncomfortable questions where it takes some practice to breach it back to my core message and sometimes it is a kind of um reversing it back yeah uh, yeah. Like your example earlier, give me your biggest mistake or the questions in interviews are give me an example of critical feedback that you received or how do you engage people if they're not convinced in transformation, supporting change and transformation? You love it, but they don't like it. What, shall, what do you do to convince people to support transformation? Of course, I can leverage my message about leading change and transformation. Yeah. And it was very helpful with Jenna because she corrected me. And um, all the time pushed me to go back to my core message and not to reinvent something new. Okay. All right. I can't resist, Laura. I've got to do a role play here. 
So suppose that I'm interviewing you Mm -hmm. for a moment and I say, what's the most critical feedback you've ever received in your career and what'd you do with it? How would you respond to that if it was a genuine interview? The most critical and valuable feedback that I received from my um, ex-boss was always try to communicate verbally and written all your messages in three bullet points. Okay. And? But it is not and, and therefore, <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, therefore, I learned to communicate clearly the purpose and direction to explain why we're doing this and how each of us uh, can contribute to achieving this purpose. I help, um, I'm very strong in um, bringing all people together at the table and combining their perspective to co-create a joint plan how to achieve this purpose and vision and then enable them to execute it. Great. So I see there how you did the bridge. So there is the answer to the question, just a flat-out answer. Presumably that was not one of your core messages. But then you bridge that directly to talk about one of your core messages and how you do that. And you do that with aligning people around your sense of purposes where you started with it. Okay. It makes for a very convincing answer. Thank you. So how did this feel? So you've done an interview or you said one already. Um, did it help you? Do you think you did a better job in the interview as a result? Oh, yes, Definitely. Of course, I um, I was very grateful for this session and preparation. So during the interviews, I had three interviews with board members and also a leadership assessment center for 90 minutes. And um, I can definitely confirm that I was more self-confident due to very good preparation. I had a conviction about my strong messages. I had 15 examples for my five messages, and therefore I was prepared to answer every question in every interview. I had five messages because two of them were linked to my expertise and knowledge, professional knowledge, and three to my leadership qualities and style. Therefore, 15 examples, it was great. I felt very comfortable and I was able to uh, use these examples to reconfirm the messages. I changed the wording and the language, as Janet just explained, so that I don't feel that I'm repeating myself. But by the end of the interview, um, the counterparty had a clear picture about myself and value. And the most pleasant part at the end of the interview of two interviews was when I was... Um, I, I brought my message across that I'm very good in solving complex problems due to my unique approach. I just wanted to start to say ABC and they interrupted me. No, no, we know it. We saw it last year. We observed it. It goes without saying you're good at this. So it was a confirmation that this is the right message for me. Okay. Great. Great. All right. If you, um, I don't mean to be selling this one quite as strongly as I am, but do you think you would have done as well if you hadn't done the rehearsal, the practice, the refinement of the message? I don't think so. 
I don't think so. It is very challenging. It is very difficult to observe yourself from outside. You need a mirror. And Jenna was a mirror. She was guiding me with questions, challenging questions, very tough. And we changed it all the time and prioritized based on examples and my observations. I think it is very difficult to do it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And I can see that as most people I have watched prepare for an interview, they collect every question that anybody they know has ever been asked in an interview and try to have a clever answer to each one of them and memorize basically 20 answers. But 20 answers doesn't give you a consistent message. And I think what Jana is trying to say is you want people to walk away from that session with a consistent, concise view about you. Right, Jana, I'll let you jump in at this point. Absolutely. Not a laundry list, but a a piece that you've already edited so they know exactly what's important to you and who you are. Okay, great. Jana, any last pieces of advice that you would offer? Um, We've got just a couple minutes before we close. Um, I, I just think it's very important to, you know, think about yourself as someone who needs key messages. I mean, it's it's quite a it's quite a jump for most of us. We don't think of ourselves as needing key messages. Um, and once you get into that frame of mind, it's about how do you get them through. Um, and and it does take practice. I love Laura's example of getting her colleagues to give her proof points or evidence. Um, I think that's that's great. And you see that the the effort pays off. Right. So it's great to have the opportunity to talk about this. I can see this. Um, I think, I mean, we've talked about this in terms of selling yourself, but I've seen it every time I've ever worked with a senior executive on something like executive presence and making sure that they have a concise message. One of the core elements, I think, that is mandatory to have executive presence. In fact, if you don't get that part right, anything else that we might teach you about the body language is kind of not important. Because I want to know, do you have something to say? Can you get the point across quickly? And I find it surprising how difficult it is for people to understand what their core message is. It takes a lot of clever thought to get to what really do I want my audience to walk away remembering about what I said. And that's what we mean by key message. It, It kind of goes full circle back to the idea that we're used to answering questions rather than telling our story. So we sort of expect people to ask what they want to know, but really we have to be prepared to tell them what we want them to know. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Jana. Kind of a fascinating series of um, exchanges here around how we sell ourselves or our product or our idea or our company or almost anything else. And the notion for persuasive communication, if I go back to the very beginning, Persuasive communication is I want people to think, feel, or do something. And I want to do that by showing my value in a way that they trust me. The way to do that is to be really, really clear about what your key message is, three to five, no more, anything more is too much. And then to have evidence to back up each of those key messages, whether it's a fact, a data point, or an anecdote, or a story, um, or even a metaphor for that matter. Then I'm ready with this matrix of key messages and evidence that's going to allow me to respond to every question where response might not be a direct answer. It might be an acknowledgement followed by my message. 
but it allows me to consistently link back to my message so that people remember it. And I remind you that we have to say things probably about eight times before people really let it sink in, in an oral format. So this is just another way of having a clever system for um, repeating and repeating in a good way, in a way that feels genuine and real. I love it. So Jana, thank you. Laura, thank you for sharing your experiences. Very much appreciate it. And if you've liked what you've heard today, check out our subscription service at outofthecomfortzone.com. You'll find some other ideas about how to apply these concepts and others. And definitely like this podcast, please like us on your favorite podcast player. And other than that, join us next week for more wisdom in getting out of your comfort zone. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in for another edition next week with Dr. Wanda Wallace on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.